So we're going through the book of Numbers as a church, uh, the story of the wanderings of the people of God, the pilgrim, the desert pilgrims, and what God was doing through that time of, of going through the desert. So we're up to Numbers 9, starting from verse 15. We're going to look at that soon, but I want us to see some, uh, some pictures here. Uh, and this is to do with last words, people's last words. You know, last words can be really important. What people say right at the end of their life. So this guy here is John Sedwick. He was a general of the Union Army in the American Civil War. And uh, he was in battle. And the opposing Confederate sharpshooters were shooting from about a thousand meters away which, although was worrying some of the other Union soldiers at the front line, didn't seem to worry John Sedwick, whose one of his final sentences uh, was, at this distance they couldn't hit an elephant. Shortly, very shortly afterwards, he was hit in the, just below his left eye and died. This is Karl Marx, who died in 1883. Uh, Karl Marx regarded as one of the most foundational, important theorists of com- communism. His writings include the Communist Manifesto and Das Kapital. About to die, Karl Marx was asked by his housekeeper, who had been employed by the family for over four decades, if he had any last words. And Karl Marx said to her, as uh, some of his last words, Go away. Last words are for fools who haven't said enough. Uh, This next one is Steve Jobs. Uh, Died 2011. Co-founder of Apple. Died at the age of 56 of a brain tumor and had been battling cancer since 2003. He died lying in hospital saying three times the words, Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Uh, next one. Lady Aston. Lady Nancy Astor, sorry, was an American-born British politician, died in 1964. She woke up briefly on her deathbed, surrounded by well-wishers, and uttered these words. Am I dying, or is it my birthday? <laughs> Uh, This is Bob Hope, comedian, died 2003. He was 100 years old. When asked on his deathbed um, by his wife, Dolores, where he wanted to be buried, Bob Hope said, surprise me. Uh, this is Tarzan of the jungle. Not sure when he died, but apparently his last words were, who greased the vine? <laughs> uh, before we carry on, a bit of prayer, I think. Uh, yeah. So Lord, as we look at your last words and your word, we ask that you would speak to us today. Uh, speak to us. We know your word is living. We ask that you speak to us. Amen. And Jesus' last words, Matthew 28, verse 20. The last chapter of the book of Matthew, 
in the very last verse, Jesus said this, Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and I'll be with you forever, right to the end of the age. Akona rato ki a mau ki ngā mea katoa i whakahoa e a hau e a koutou. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and I'll always be with you. Those were Jesus' last words from the book of Matthew. And let's read Numbers chapter 9, 15 to 23. If you haven't guessed it, today is about obedience. Obedience. The cloud above the tabernacle. On the day of the tabernacle, the tent of the covenant law was set up. The cloud covered it. From evening till morning, the cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire. That is how it continued to be. The cloud covered it, and at night it looked like fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites set out. Wherever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. At the Lord's command, the Israelites set out, and at his command, they encamped. As long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. When the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, the Israelites obeyed the Lord's order and did not set out. Verse 20, sometimes the cloud was over the tabernacle only a few days. At the Lord's command, they would encamp, and at his command, they would set out. Sometimes the cloud stayed only from evening till morning, and when it lifted in the morning, they set out, whether by day or by night. Whenever the cloud lifted, they set out, whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days or a month or a year, the Israelites would remain in camp and not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. 23, at the Lord's command, they encamped, and at the Lord's command, they set out. They obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with his command through Moses. For the desert pilgrims, it was all about obedience. It was all about obedience. When the cloud moved, they moved. When the cloud stayed, they stayed. It was not about comfort. It's not about personal preference, not about lifestyle, not about house prices or sunshine hours or tribal connections or job prospects or district council rates. For the desert pilgrims, it was all about obedience. Where and when they parked their tents, it was all about obedience to God. You know, there's eight references to the Lord's orders here and their response to it. And even before that, as they left Egypt, um, they'd seen and been obedient to that cloud. That cloud had protected it from Egypt. That cloud had come between them and the Egyptian army. And they'd seen the deadly results of disobedience. In chapter 2 of Numbers, Aaron's sons offering unauthorized fire. Was it chapter 3? But they, they had to keep seeing it. They had to keep being reminded of the negative consequences of disobedience. And, and we start to see that mostly from chapter 10 on. 
Uh, the first ten te- chapters of Numbers is mostly obedience. And, we, and, and nine, we particularly see obedience here. Obedience wherever. Obedience wherever. They had an ultimate destination, but they had many temporary destinations along the way. And so that required a long obedience in the same direction. And so to a large degree, the journey was the destination. The journey was the destination. It wasn't a vacation. It was a land of deserts, of droughts, of darkness. A place no one travels and no one lives. The desert. And there's a, there a fair amount of going around the mulberry bush. Uh, Exodus 13, 17 and 18 says, in fact, God did not take him through by the closest way, the shortest route. Well, and the shortest route was up the coast through the Philistine country. God did not take him by that way, according to Exodus 13. And uh, that would have been great, just walking up the coasts. Uh, sea breeze, Kaimawana, um, you know, walk-life balance, shortest way. But God, no, he didn't take him that way. He took him round the mulberry bush, through the desert. Because why? Because it says that they were not ready to go that way. That would have taken them into war with the Philistines, and they weren't ready. And this is, this is the point. It's sometimes God will take us around the mulberry bush because we're not ready for going that direct way. Sometimes you think, why, Lord, have you taken me like this? Well, he knows, and we don't. So trust him. If he feels like he's taking you around the mulberry bush, he's taking you around the mulberry bush, well, he knows. And we always don't. Don't resent the mulberry bush. The Lord takes us around sometimes. Obedience wherever. Very important bit of scripture for mission, I believe, is Acts chapter 16. Acts 16, Paul, the Apostle Paul, comes to a place called Lystra in modern-day Turkey and was impressed there by a young believer called Timothy. Acts 16 verse 2 says that the believers in his hometown Timothy's hometown of Lystra and a town called Iconium, about 50k up the road, both of them spoke well of Timothy. And Paul ends up taking him along on his missionary's journeys with him as an overseer and actually appoints Timothy to oversee the growing Ephesian church. So Timothy was spoken of well in Lystra, his hometown, and also Iconium. And so Paul takes him. The point is this. Uh, if you're a dropkick in your own home church, do not expect to be a rock star uh, somewhere else, even if you cross salt water. Hey. He was spoken of well in his home church and a church not too far away. And so Paul knew that he was going to do well in other places. Obedience wherever, here or there or way over there. Obedience whenever. Wherever, obedience, whenever. The cloud did not move every day. The cloud demanded their constant attention. God knew the best days to move and the best days to stay put. 
took a long time to move sometimes. If it took a long time, they were obedient and waiting. And waiting. And waiting. Waiting. Where's that cloud going to move? But they wouldn't move until the cloud moved. If the cloud didn't move, they didn't move. The philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche wrote this. The essential thing in heaven and earth is there should be a long obedience in the same direction. There, thereby res- results and has always resulted in the long run something which has made life worth living. Long obedience in the same direction. Long obedience in the same direction. And for the Israelites, even, even if the, they just got there and they'd hardly caught their breath, they just only just got their tent pigs in the night before. If the cloud moved, they would move. And you know, sometimes that's tiring, isn't it? To just to be boom, boom, boom. Oh Lord, we've just finished this and you want us to do that. Well, if the cloud moves, you move. And that also they were obedient. Whenever, wherever, and however. They were obedient in the however. Numbers 9 verse 23. The Lord spoke through Moses. Spoke through Moses. In Numbers 11, a couple chapters on, he spoke through Moses and also 70 elders. You know, they were obedient to, the people were obedient to the Lord as the Lord spoke through Moses. And then when Moses got all these sub-leaders, they were obedient to them. Sometimes, or they expected to be. <laughs> Verse 23, they obeyed the Lord's command in accordance with his command through Moses. Therefore, the Lord spoke through the leader, Moses. And the last words of Jesus in Matthew Gospel was verse 20 of Matthew 28. Teach the disciples of mine to obey everything I have commanded them. I get a blog from a missionary in Asia. He was our old preaching lecturer and the stubs as well. And one difference he says that he noticed in Asia and in New Zealand is this. One of the differences is over there, they are very comfortable in calling Jesus the master. The master. Uh, we had a speaker here about two years ago, and he was using the word master. And he got some pushback from that. And the person was saying, um, I don't like that word master. You know, we're free. Well, yes, we are free, but also the Lord, Jesus Christ, is our master. And we are to be obedient to him. You know, uh, obedience is not uh, a tack-on. It's not an optional extra for a disciple of Jesus. We are to be obedient to the master. Is Jesus your master? Is he your master? When he says go, do you go? If he says stay, do you stay? Whenever, wherever, however. John 10, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and follow it. My sheep hear my voice and they follow it. That obedience was prevalent in the first chapters 
first 10 chapters of Numbers, of the book of Numbers, but that was about to change. And Moses found it really hard. The weight of carrying the people got really heavy for Moses. Chapter 11, verse 14, Moses says to the Lord, I cannot carry all these people by myself. This burden is too heavy for me. And the Lord replies, verses 16 and 18 of chapter 11, Get 70 elders, and I'll put my spirit on them, and they will help carry the burden with you. And throughout church history, throughout 2,000 years, the church has used different ways of helping carrying the community of faith. And actually there's um, uh, four main ways that the church has done this. Those that study such things, the study of the church, it's called ecclesiology. There are four particular ways that the church has helped carry the burden of the community of faith. And uh, so the four ways of this, congregational, which is the Baptist way. So in this way, the church has official membership and the members vote. Uh, another way is called uh, non-government. And it's kind of the brethren way where the hope is that the Holy Spirit kind of speaks through everyone and, um, and there's no official church government. Uh, a third way is called Episcopal. The Anglicans, Catholic and Pentecostal churches have, have used this way and that there is a clear line of authority, Episcopal. And the fourth way is Presbyterian, where it's uh, government by elders. The minister is only one of the whole group of the elders, and he is the teacher, elder in charge of the worship. Uh, we would probably best be described as a, a combination of uh, the last two, Episcopal and Presbyterian. So, so anyone asks you what sort of church, what sort of church are you? You say, oh, I'm a Episcopalian. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh cool. Uh, did you get in? Did you get in surf last week? But, but yeah, this we're kind of a combination of Episcopal and Presbyterian. All four ways have their pros and cons. You know, there's 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 good things and not so good things about all of those those ways of church government. And over 2,000 years, the church has used, different churches have used combination or, or one or other of them. However, whatever form of church government, uh, there is a need for any person to be obedient to the law and be obedient to, to the leadership of that church to hear the voice of the Lord and obey it as he speaks, including as the Lord speaks through the leadership of the church. Hebrews 13 verse 17 says this, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that will be of no advantage to you. My sheep hear my voice and they follow it, said Jesus. And that can come, you know, the, the, the voice of the Lord can come in an individual way where the Lord speaks clearly to you. But it can also come in a communal way as the Lord speaks to us. I had an example of a, of a pastor last year 
and he was down south, Christchurch, I think, and he got a job offer at another church. And what he did, he thought that in the same way that he'd been appointed to the church by a group of leaders, he felt he needed to submit himself to that same group of leaders about this job offer. And so he said, I I have this job offer. They're asking me to go to this new church. What do you think? They, 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 They prayed about it. They talked about it. And they said to him, no, we don't think it's your time yet. We think you should stay. Uh, and he stayed. Two years later, he got another offer, and they again uh, discussed it, prayed the leadership, and they said, yes, we believe it's right, you should go. You know, sometimes the Lord speaks through us or through a group of us. It's not always just individually. Acts 13, this is the first missionary journey of Paul and Barnabas. And as they were praying, and it was basically a church meeting, you know, they were praying, they were fasting, and the Holy Spirit said, send Paul and Barnabas out. It wasn't just individually, it was in that group that the Spirit spoke to them. Uh, one of the things we love about Waitangi and Matt and Christelle is that early on in their kind of missionary endeavors, they have um, spoken to the church leadership and they've continued to communicate, and so they are in accordance with the church. It's not some individual venture they're on. And this, I believe, is very biblical. It's not just, I'm a a little bit bored with life, I intend to go off somewhere on mission. You know, it's it's us together. The Lord often speaks through us. Tato katoa. Um. You know, it's strange, really. You know, often people will pray about um, where to park their car, but not where to park their tent, you know? Where they can put their car, but, but where to put their house, where to put their body, you know, where to be part of a faith community. But where to be obedient wherever, whenever, however. One of the great, three great Jewish pilgrimage festivals at the time of Jesus was the Feast of Tabernacles. This was the Feast of Shelters, is what that means. It was a celebration of what was, it, what was happening back, way back then in the desert. How God led their forefathers through the desert by the cloud over, over the tent. And then the cloud at night would, would lead them. And so um, they would, the people would pilgrim, make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem every year for a week, and they'd make these little temporary shelters. It would have been great fun. And the kids would make them, they'd sleep out in these shelters to remember the days back then when God led them through the desert, and they, they had these temporary shelters. And uh, how God led them by fire in the clouds. And so at night, what would happen at the Feast of Tabernacles is that four huge, great, big torches would be lit in the temple. And people would have little uh, torches at night as well, and they'd dance through the night. And they say it was, there's so much light that uh, you could see it from, from miles around. Jerusalem was up on a hill. At night, um, it said that men of piety and good works would dance with torches through the night. And it was at this point, John chapter 8, verse 12, 
that Jesus comes to this festival, the Feast of Tabernacles, all this light. You know what he says? You know what he has the cheek, the audacity to say? He says, I am the light of the world. Whoa, it's in your face. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. No one comes to me, no one, whoever comes to me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world. Whoever comes to me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's an in-your-face statement, isn't it? To a people that were celebrating God moving with their forefathers way back there through the light. And Jesus says, actually, I'm the light of the world. And what happened in Christchurch two weeks ago does not change that, that audacious claim of Jesus one little bit. Jesus is the light of the world. Whoever comes to him will never walk in darkness. Do you believe that? Do you have enough faith in that to say it to your neighbors and your friends and your family, that Jesus is the light of the world? Will you be obedient to that light? That's what he said, the very last thing he said. He said, be obedient. Teach him to be obedient to me. And you know what? You know what? And it's not just try harder. He said, I will always be with you. He's going to help us. He's going to help us. He's going to help us be obedient to him. That's what he promised. Forever. Right to the very, very end. Amen. Love People love to pray with you today in any way. Anything that's touched on is done something here, people love to pray with you, and I'm going to pray right now. Lord, thank you. You are the light of the world, and you, you said you'd always be with us right to the very, very end. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, the, the light that you are, that you speak to us individually, you speak to us as a community of faith. Help us to be obedient to you. Yeah, as your Holy Spirit speaks, help us to be obedient to you. Amen.